Holy Father. Nothing personal word of the day. Thursday, February 18th, 2021. Last night, we released an emergency bonus pod. Hurry up, Coca. Let's go. Fernando Tatis has signed a $340 million, 14-year contract. We did like a 15-minute show yesterday. Hope you downloaded it, listened to it, subscribed to Nothing Personal, because we're around, we're available. Phone rings, tweets come, texts come. We're ready to get to you with our thoughts. And we come up with them quickly. We're a very stealth operation here at Nothing Personal. Doesn't really matter time of day. Coke is always awake. After I call him, I'm always awake. So I want to talk today again, Holy Father, a little bit about Tatis. In case you're just joining us, Fernando Tatis Jr., the son of Fernando Tatis Sr., who played for us in Montreal in 2001 in a great trade. We traded away, do you know, Coco, we traded away Dustin Hermanson and Steve Klein to get back a guy named Britt Reams and a guy named Fernando Tatis. He had a son at that time. Son would be around Montreal. We'd see him. Yeah, I didn't think he'd be a $340 million player, but boy, he was pretty good at a young age. In any case, Tatis signs this contract and the world's on fire. People are going crazy. My point last night, and we're not going to do the entire episode again because just download and get the episode from last night is that there was no reason for the Padres to sign this contract with Tatis now. None. Zero. Zip. But I want to talk today with Holy Father, which Coca thought what I meant was Holy F blank blank K. Holy F blank blank K. Holy. But I meant Holy Padre as in the Padres. Padre is father in Spanish. Holy Padre but I thought it'd be funny to say Holy Father because then you'd think I was saying Holy F blank blank K. Anyway, Holy Father's word of the day, and here's why. As a veteran of signing $300 million contracts, having given Stanton the largest contract in the history of sports at that time, nobody had ever gotten $325 million. We did it knowing that at its height, Stanton would be at about 30 to 31 to $32 million per year. It was our view at that time, which was six years ago, now seven. This would have been, this is the seventh season of Stanton's 13-year deal. The calculation is that you must have a payroll where no player represents more than 25% of that payroll. That math comes right from 2003 when we paid Pudge Rodriguez $10 million and we had a $40 million payroll and we won the World Series. So our view always was 25% is as high as we're willing to go for any individual player because as you know, MLB is not NBA. You cannot sign Tatis and say we are now a World Series team. We are now going to guarantee to make the playoffs and we are built to get through the divisional round, the wild card round, the LCS. We'll see in the series. Can't do that in baseball. There's no such thing as building a super team. You have to have depth in a way that you don't need in basketball because obviously in basketball, you can call a play for any of your big three at the end of a game, put the ball in the hands of the people you want the ball in the hands of in baseball. If it's not your turn to bat, Fernando Tatis, 
down one in the bottom of the ninth of game seven of the World Series with his $340 million contract may have as much impact in that last inning as I do watching the game. It's not his turn to bat. It's not his turn to bat, which is why, by the way, side note, when I was asked on the competition committee, is there a rule change you really would like to suggest? I said, yeah, I want to have a rule where anyone can hit in the bottom of the ninth. Anyone. It's not your turn to bat. Don't care. I want Stanton or Judge or Tatis or Trout. I thought that'd be exciting for fans. All the traditionalists said, are you kidding me? That's not how we roll. In any case, 25% is the rule. So if Tatis, don't give me the math the way Trevor Bauer did, which we're going to get to, that $24 million is what he will be being paid in six years. The reason the AAV is 24 million, which is 340 divided by 14, is Fernando Tatis is not even eligible for arbitration yet. He's making around the league minimum. He's not due to be a free agent for four years, three years after this one. So by the time he's a free agent, I assume his free agent number will be, let's say, 30. That means for the Padres to have a chance to be successful, they have to have a payroll of 120. Do you know what their payroll has been recently, Coca? Any thoughts on that? Generally, their average payroll is, my guess, 108, 110, 112, 114. No way of knowing whether or not they'll be able to grow their payroll. They can dream the way we did with the Marlins. I guarantee you, Giancarlo, that we will have a payroll of 120 in year seven, and you'll have 30 million of that. You'll be 25% of the payroll, and we'll be winning. We'll be rolling. We'll be selling out Marlins Park. We'll have a ring. You're going to be a Hall of Famer as a Marlin. None of that happened. I wasn't responsible for trading him, by the way. That was the new regime. But the reality is the Marlins payroll this year is going to be 60. So if Stanton were still on the team, they would be a 200 loss team. So what the Padres are hoping is the same thing we hoped as a small to mid-market team, as a small revenue team, that we are doing this on the come. We are projecting revenue increases, whether it comes from national revenue that MLB does out of New York, whether it comes from local revenue in San Diego because we are so successful as a team, but we will be able to have a payroll of 120 to 130 except they forgot about the fact that they've got Manny Machado making 30. They've got Fernando Tatis making 30. That's $60 million in one year for two players. And they're both position players. Ruh row. The Padres have a problem. And the reason why I continue to tell you that Fernando Tatis will not be a Padre for 14 years is that their financial model is going to be wrong. Their projections are going to be wrong the good feelings they have about signing this contract are going to dissipate faster than a snowfall followed by a 62-degree day. It just disappears like it never happened, and it turns into mud. A lot of people have a lot of thoughts on the Fernando Tatis deal. A lot of players are happy about it, of course, if you're a shortstop. This great shortstop free agent class, whether it's Lindor or Correa or Trevor Story or uh, Adam Sandberg. What, um, 
Wow. At Coca, edit that out. 69, 68, 67. A lot of great shortstops becoming free agents. You've got Carlos Correa. You've got Trevor Story. You've got Francisco Lindor. You've got Corey Seager. <laughs> Why did I say Adams, Andy Samberg? Because I think I may have just been talking about Palm Springs when I reviewed the map of tiny, perfect, little tiny, perfect things which is sort of the same concept of Palm Springs. That's the only thing I can think of. Isn't the human brain fascinating? I haven't uttered the word in Andy Samberg. Anyway, I don't even know what we were talking about. Shortstops. Why are we even talking about shortstops? I don't know. I really don't know, Coca. I just don't know. Today is Friday. I'm tired. We just did a show 12 hours ago. All right, so a lot of... Pete Media. Oh, media was unhappy. Some happy, some unhappy. Players mostly happy. Owners despondent that Tatis got that deal because it was way too early to get it. Yet we heard from the newest Los Angeles Dodger. Now, what's interesting about Trevor Bauer commenting on this deal is that Trevor Bauer chose to go the other way. He took a short-term deal and took a very high average annual value. Trevor Bauer plays for the team that the Padres are trying to compete with in the National League West where I will never forget that the San Francisco Giants are with the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Colorado Rockies and the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Diego Padres in that division. Power, Bauer used his social media power to try to teach you math last night, and it bothered me, and we're going to talk about it. He released a series of tweets trying to say that agents are not necessary. Agents who get 5% of a contract are overpaid. He went into a mathematical equation explaining that at $24 million a year average annual value, 5% of that is 1.2 million. Therefore, his agent will be receiving 1.2 million a year for 14 years. He then said, why not just have a lawyer negotiate the deal? Lawyers get paid 500 bucks an hour. By the way, I don't know which lawyer you're talking about, but if you're going to get one of the best lawyers in one of the biggest cities, you're talking about a G-string, not half. Thousand bucks an hour, but just say it's 500 bucks an hour. And he did the calculation that a lawyer would have to work thousand hours at least to warrant a $1.2 million payment. He then went on to say that in future years, the lawyer the agent doesn't have to do anything because the player's already signed to a contract, but you're still paying him 1.2 million, not even to negotiate a contract because he already has a contract signed. You're still giving him 1.2 million, totally overpaying him. Instead, you could hire 10 people at $75,000 a year and it would be $1.1 million, blah, blah, blah. Trevor, can we please explain to the nothing personal audience what agents do and how many years agents work without getting paid bupkis? Agents start getting players when they're 16. They're scouting them. They have an entire infrastructure in place to bring on kids, to help them with equipment deals, to give them free equipment, to help them grow into players. Then, if they're lucky, one of them makes it to the major leagues. If they're even luckier, one of them makes it to the uh, arbitration. If they're even luckier, one of them gets to be a free agent. And then, if you are the luckiest of the lucky, you've got a player who gets paid $24 million in free agency. You're the unicorn. We spend our time talking about all these players who make all this money, 
What about the hundreds of players, the thousands of players where agents have spent time, invested in those players and gotten zero return? It turns out that the one player who does make the $24 million is paying for the infrastructure that helped all the other players. Where's that conversation, Trevor? Don't be misleading when you've got the power of a platform. And if you're going to be misleading, feel free to be corrected and then feel free to come back and say you were wrong and that you weren't considering all the things that agents do without getting remunerated in any way. Be calm, everybody, please. You know, I, I, I'm not tired of it. I love it. I love the audience. I love you guys. I'm not just pro-management. I'm not just anti-agent. I'm here to give you the truth about all sides of an issue. Agents are necessary for things that are done that you will never see. You know what we will see, though? It's the wait to see. This is a very interesting wait to see, and here's why. First of all, wait to see is when I say something's going to happen. And if it does, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But either way, we're going to revisit it. I promise you. Because I'm not afraid of being wrong. I'm not that guy. On December 16th, 2020, I told you unequivocally in the episode on December 16th that spring training will be delayed. Nope, it wasn't delayed. (sighs) Got it wrong. On February 18th, 2021, I told you that Fernando Tatis will not be a Padre in 14 years. You and I are gonna have to hang out for 14 years together. And you think I won't revisit it? Do you think that I'm just gonna forget about it? Well, I actually win if he's not a Padre in five years or four years or one year or two years. But we're gonna do a little more current wait to see as well. The Padres will go through year one of the 14 of the 14 340, year three of the 310 year deal to Machado. They will follow up their shortened 60 game season and playoff appearance in the expanded playoffs. And the San Diego Padres will make the playoffs this year as a wild card team. And they will not win the pennant. It's a triple wait to see. That's how excited I am because it's Thursday the 18th. I love Thursdays. By the way, I was just on Twitch, Coca, before the show. I did Twitch with Levitard as part of the local hour. I don't understand. Are people watching that live and then they download the show and listen to it again after they watched it live? Or do you have to be invited to watch it live? Is it open to the public? I couldn't see myself. I didn't know, but I was a little conscientious. Like if you're watching on my YouTube channel, by the way, we're not at even at 2,000. More of you are downloading, subscribing, and listening to the show wherever you get your podcast. We're appreciative. But please also just click on YouTube. You don't have to do anything. Just subscribe to the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. But I felt like I was on camera and it was live. And once in a while, I cough. Or once in a while, I have to wipe sweat off my brow. Or once in a while, I'm taking a sip of labelless water. But I couldn't see. Are people looking? Do they only see the person who's talking? I'm trying to be hip. I'm so square, though. Hip to be square. Join Clubhouse. Don't know what it means. Don't know how to do it. I think I'm just going to have a conversation with myself. Like Hugh Prather. Notes to myself. Google it. Hugh Prather's a poet and a writer. He has a book called Notes to Myself. It's pretty fascinating. 
Three wait to sees. You won't be a Padre in 14 years. The Padres will not win the pennant in 2021, and the Padres will win the wild card. Book it. We're going to revisit it. I'm adding it right now to the show so I don't forget. Okay. Now, here comes the most interesting part of the show today. Are you ready? 2021 can be your year for success. Commercial alert. Commercial alert. It's time to grow your business to ensure that you add the right members of your team. And you know who can do it? Ready? Say it with me. Raise your hands. L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N. LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs will help you find the right person for your company, and they'll do it quickly. And your first job post can be free. Just go on LinkedIn. That's all you have to do. Just start a search. You go on LinkedIn. Your first job post is free, which is cool. It's so easy that Coca would like to remind you that you can do it in your PJs. What kind of PJs do you wear, Coca? Do you have the kind that button all the way to the top? I don't think LinkedIn cares what kind of PJs you wear. I don't think they care that you can do it in your PJs. But what they do care about is that if you go to a LinkedIn site, it's pretty easy, right? When your business is ready to make the next hire, find that right person with LinkedIn jobs. Now you can post your job for free. First post. Just visit LinkedIn.com slash Samson. LinkedIn.com slash S-A-M-S-O-N. Just post a job. You will find incredible people. But remember, before you do it, please, terms and conditions apply. We're going to get fired, Coca. It's a guarantee. Okay. Uh, I think we have a segment coming up, Coca. What do we have? You know what I want? I want to talk to Samson. I love So You Want to Talk to Samson. It's a segment that is not nearly gets enough attention. S-Y-W-T cubed S. It's from a movie called Half-Baked. If you are a nothing person, if you're new to the show and you have not watched Half-Baked, here's the rule. You have to watch it three times. You have to watch it no-baked, half-baked, and fully-baked. Then you will realize that people want to talk to Samson. And so they do. You get on Twitter at David P. Samson. D-A-V-I-D-P-S-A-M-S-O-N. Just hit follow. If you're not on Twitter, just download Twitter. Just do a burner account and follow because, please, and I don't buy followers. Do you know people do that, by the way? I was uh, called by someone, Coca, and uh, it was suggested to me that I should get to 20,000 followers and then try to get to 50,000 followers and then 100,000 followers. And the way to do it is you just buy followers. And I said, not a chance. There is literally zero chance I will do that. Because if you're following me on Twitter, it means you're interested in the humor or in the irony or in the information or something surrounding this circus. You realize that I'm doing tweets at all hours of the day and night, often from my pajamas. And you also know that I'm going to interact with you. How do you interact with bot followers that are just bots or robots or fake people? But when people then get onto your 
Twitter handle, they say, whoa, he's got 325,000 followers. That guy must be popular. Well, we're building it one at a time and we're building it real. We're building it right. And it's thanks to you. So thank you all. Get into the DMs. I leave them public. There's a lot of them. I try to get to as many as possible. Ask a question in there. We do an end of month mailbag bonus episode, by the way. Those questions come from when you rate and review on Apple. The questions in Instagram, David P. Sampson, but mostly Twitter, David P. Sampson, those go in the daily show because they're about what's happening today. And it's something that we want to talk about. Here was the question. Was the Tim Tebow experiment a success for the Mets? I like the quick, easy questions because they're interesting. Tim Tebow, remember him? He was the quarterback for the University of Gators. What's the name of that? He was uh, Florida, wasn't he, Coca? Like the big-time quarterback, really uh, upstanding religious guy, made a big deal out of the fact that he was still a virgin and he was just unbeatable in college. Then he went to the pros. I may be talking about the totally wrong guy, by the way. He may have gone to Alabama, but I don't think he did was the quarterback. He won one playoff game. He really couldn't take hold. I think he played for the Broncos. He got a few moments with a couple other teams, maybe uh, the Patriots for a minute, the Jets for a second and a half. Either way, Tim Tebow was out of football very quickly, and he was going to be a superstar, and it just never worked out for him. It is so hard to go from being an amateur athlete to being a pro athlete. So hard. Anyway, so Tebow then says, I've got an idea. I want to be a professional baseball player. This happened while I was still in baseball. And it was very clear to us what was going on. The New York Mets were doing something outrageous. They were going for good PR. And they were going for the business of bringing attention to their organization, to their minor league organization, sell some jerseys, and tell people, we think Tim Tebow can be a major league baseball player. Does that sound familiar? Did the White Sox do that with Michael Jordan? Yes, they did. So Tim Tebow joins the Mets in 2016 and finds out that hitting a fastball is really hard, but even harder when it may be a curveball and then a slider, oy vey. He spent four years in the minor leagues, never made it to the big leagues, was complimented upon his retirement yesterday by the new Mets ownership group by saying he almost made it to the big leagues because he had a cup of coffee at AAA. By the way, Tim Tebow didn't almost make it to the big leagues. There was zero chance of Tim Tebow making it to the big leagues. Tim Tebow spent four years taking up a roster spot that easily could have gone to another player you know there's so many extra spots in the minor leagues, which is why teams are being contracted. Talked about it again yesterday. You know that half the people in the minor leagues, half the players are never going to become big leaguers. But what you also know is that it is very rare to have a celebrity in the minor leagues who's a celebrity for another reason, not baseball. And when you have a chance to bring in a player like that, you do it. So the Mets did it and their experiment was a great success. Not on the field. And they didn't stop a, an old friend named Preston Wilson, uh, used to play for us with Florida. We traded him to Colorado before we won the World Series because we got back Juan Pierre, so helpful in our winning the World Series. And Preston had gotten a big contract from Dave Dombrowski and it was too expensive 
Uh, he then went on to have some great years in Denver, by the way. Preston Wilson said on Twitter, who's a very interesting follow and a very learned man, and I've spent time with him since we traded him, and, and, and I, would, I would say we are a level above acquaintances and below friends because you know I don't throw the word friend around. He said that what bothered him most about the Tebow experiment is that he was stopping the development of other players by taking up a spot. But he knows, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm just going to say it, Tim Tebow did not do that, right? There's so many spots taken by non-prospects, people are never going to make it. Now, when he gets an at-bat, could that at-bat have gone to a different player? Yes. But when you look at all the minor league teams, because there's an actual batting order, there are no teams that have prospects in the one through nine hole. There's always a non-prospect filler is what we would call them. We need a filler. Hey, we need a guy. That's what we'd say. It's so horrible the way we would talk. We need a guy in double A. We need just a quick second baseman because our prospect at single A is not ready to go to double A. And we certainly have to play someone at second base. So we need a guy. Tim Tebow was just the filler guy. But instead of being a filler guy who costs money, Tim Tebow was a filler guy who made money because there was such excitement around Tebow when he went to minor league spring training, when he went to spring training, when people were buying Mets Tebow jerseys. That was a business and that was a success. There is no doubt about that. Thank you for the so you want to talk to Samson question. Appreciate that. Uh, what were you doing last night at 10 p.m.? You may have been listening to the bonus episode we did on Fernando Tatis, or you may have been watching Serena Williams play Naomi Osaka. I'm a tennis fan. We don't get to talk much about tennis on Nothing Personal because nothing really trendy never happens. Nothing that excites me really happens. But I love it. I, I grew up loving tennis, playing tennis. I went, did you know this? I actually went to the Nick Bulletary Tennis Academy. Coca, have I told you the Nick Bolteri Tennis Academy story? Did you know I went to Nick Bolteri Tennis Academy? I can't hear you. Coca's left the show. So here's the story. I, no? Are you sure? All right. I got to tell a Nick Bolteri story. Do you mind? Nick Bolteri is a incredibly famous tennis coach. We reviewed a documentary about him uh, and about Andre Agassi. He's coached some of the great players in history, and he's famous for being a very difficult coach. Over in Tampa or Bradenton, where right now it's called the IMG Academy, before that, and now it's all sports, before that it was the Nick Bulletary Tennis Academy. And he also did tennis camps. So I went to a Nick Bulletary tennis camp. And I don't remember whether it was in Florida. I actually don't remember where it was. I just know that I was 14 or 15 at the time, and they are very serious about the tennis. And I was a good tennis player until I was around good tennis players. And then I became a mediocre tennis player. When you go to a Nick Bulletary Tennis Academy, you are going there with people who want to be professional tennis players. I wanted to be a professional comedian. I wanted to be a professional basketball player, but I was five foot five. I wanted to be the center of attention, shocking. So I go to that academy and the first thing they do is they put you into groups and they have you serve and then they have you play games and then they have you do drills and then they go through the rules. And here are the rules. You are not allowed 
under any scenario to go into the girl's dorm, period. Well, I had a girlfriend at Nick Boateri Tennis Academy, and I got caught in her dorm after hours. And the way they punish you is that they tell you that you are not playing tennis the next day. Instead, you run all day in a way that they weren't allowed. They couldn't do this to kids, what they did to me. I was running these sprints on the court while everyone else was playing. I was called out in front of the rest of the camp for what I had done. And I didn't care a lick because I had done what I wanted to do the night before and had fun with a friend. So I'm running all day and I'm getting sick. It's hot. They don't care about giving you water. They don't care about any of that stuff. This was back in the day where they're not worried about what parents are thinking. There's no cameras. There's no live feed. There's no nothing. You go to this academy and you know what you're signing up for. You're signing up for H-E double hockey sticks. And for the rest of my time at Bulletary Tennis Academy, I was labeled as the troublemaker. I got in trouble every single day. I only won one set out of all the matches I played because I was worse than any other player by far, but I had a great experience. You know what? I wouldn't trade it for the world. So I've loved tennis. Watch the US Open, watch the Australian Open, watch the French Open. I just watch the majors. So I guess I don't love it that much because I'm only watching the majors. So I'm watching Serena Williams against Naomi Osaka last night. Osaka is down two nothing, about to be down two breaks, three nothing. All of a sudden she holds serve, breaks serve, ties it at two. Next thing you know, 25 minutes later, she wins the first set, wins the second set, Serena Williams is done. She's stuck at 23 majors, one behind Margaret Court for the most majors of all time. Naomi Osaka has her number. She's a better player than Serena, period. And I was thinking to myself, will Serena win that elusive 24th major? What will she have to do to win a major? And the answer is she just will not be able to win another major. She's just been surpassed. That's the bottom line. Not just by Osaka, but there's, she was seated 10th in the Australian Open. And then I was thinking about the male side where I stayed up and watched Djokovic crush. He's going back to the finals. That match started at 3.30 a.m. God bless Australia. Do you know how the Australia Open is played in Melbourne, Coca? I went to Melbourne. I went for a weekend to go to the Melbourne Cup, which is a horse race more famous than the Kentucky Derby. It is very bizarre that Fernando Tati signed his deal on February 18th in Australia. It'll go down in history as though he signed it in February 17th. But today is tomorrow in Australia. No, no, hold on. I get that wrong. Tomorrow is yesterday in Australia. February 18th is when Tati signed his deal and Serena Williams lost to Osaka and when Jokovic made it to the finals. But of course, for us, it was the 17th, except it was 3.30 in the morning when Jokovic played, which is the 18th. It's all very confusing. But what I was thinking about is how great Australia is. And I want to do a quick two-minute commercial for Australia. If you ever have an opportunity to travel and you're looking for a country that has the nicest people, that has the most beautiful scenery, food, experience, get yourself to Melbourne, even if it's for a weekend, and see what it can be like when there is love in the air when there is history in the air, when there is peace in the air, and when a group of people are happy in a way that you just didn't think was possible by all of the bile that exists these days. The, the highlight 
of our weekend was the Melbourne Cup. The second highlight of the weekend in Melbourne is we went to a friend who has a winery and we had a six hour lunch with six bottles of wine and he has these pellet guns. And basically we were looking at not shooting because I don't shoot guns. There were kangaroos on the property. There's signs in Melbourne, not deer crossing, not beware of animals. It's a picture of a kangaroo. That's true. Kangaroos cross the street. It's very bizarre. Anyway, I digress. I got to review a movie for you guys, and it's totally different than what we've been talking about. It's a movie that came out on Netflix. After the break, we're going to review the John David Washington and Zendaya movie called Malcolm and Marie, and we are going to tell you what's happening with the Toronto Blue Jays. We will be right back. Stick around. Go to LinkedIn during the break, would you? Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise, and with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Did you post something on LinkedIn.com backslash Samson or something? LinkedIn.com slash Samson, not backslash. LinkedIn.com slash Samson. Thank you for making it through the gauntlet. The gauntlet, I say, of commercials. I appreciate you. I watched a movie that depressed me. I have a thing. I have a thing. I, uh, I don't like fighting. You know from Twitter. I've never been punched. I've never thrown a punch. I've told you that story. My mouth has always gotten out of everything. I don't like violence. I'm small. I always feel like I can talk my way out of everything. And I luckily, I have been able to do that. I don't like fighting with friends. I've never had a fight. Never say never. Wait a minute. Let me think. I have never had a fight with a friend. 
Now, clearly, there's been friends that over time, you just sort of fall apart. You don't speak as often. Life happens. That, that is true. But you know the drama? I'm not really into drama. I'm not into fighting. I don't like fighting with a significant other. I don't like fighting with a spouse. I don't like fighting with kids. I don't like fighting with family members. I don't want to participate in any of that because life is too short. It's too fleeting. I don't want the negativity. I don't like the feeling I get in my tummy. I don't know if you guys get this when there's tension or stress and you get like that weird feeling in your stomach that in your heart starts beating faster and you get anxiety and you just don't want to be there and you feel like I want to be anywhere but here. I watched Malcolm and Marie with John David Washington and Zendaya. It is an hour and a half movie about a couple having a fight. Now, Marriage Story is one of my top 100 movies. That does not make me inconsistent. Marriage Story, go watch it if you can with Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. It is a powerful movie. Malcolm Marie was not powerful. Malcolm and Marie was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable because it's a movie about two people who are dating, not married, who come home from a movie premiere, which John David Washington's character, Malcolm, had directed and written. And Zendaya is his girlfriend. And they start a night that goes all night that basically is a fight between two partners. It goes from serious fighting to then sort of joking fighting, then to a little bit of makeup sex, and then back to the fight, and then they separate a little bit. It's all filmed during lockdown. It's all filmed at a house. Coco, was it filmed at Zendaya's house? I feel like it was. If you haven't heard of Zendaya, or Zendaya, I'm not sure which, uh, she was is sort of a Disney star. She was in The Greatest Showman as the trapeze artist who has a relationship with Zac Efron. She's 24 years old, fashion model, very, very young. And it just looked off with John David Washington, who is a phenomenal actor. We reviewed Tenet, I believe, on Nothing Personal. Uh, he was in another movie that I just watched that I can't remember what it was. Uh, he will, Coke correctly pointed out and predicted, he is going to win an Oscar. Not for this. He's not even going to be nominated for this, but he is going to win an Oscar. It was filmed at the Caterpillar House. What is that, Coca? Why are you writing that on a document? It's the name of it? Okay. What value added is that to the show? Oh, because it's not Zendaya's house. Check. Thank you. Got it. We're on it. We're in sync. We are synced up. So Malcolm and Marie is an uncomfortable watch. It is a couple that I don't buy as a couple in John David Washington and Zendaya. It's hard to understand sometimes. And it's hard to understand why a couple would be fighting like this on a night that was so important to either one or both. I don't like fighting with people ever, but especially when someone is having a career-defining moment or a family-defining moment or has a very important job to do the next day. Just not that night. That's what I kept thinking during the whole Malcolm and Marie. Anyway, don't watch it. I guess you should watch it. Oh, here we go. Malcolm and Marie, watch it so you can learn what not to do in a relationship. Nothing personal pick of the day. We had the heat getting one from the Warriors and we lost. We were winning the whole game. All of a sudden, the worst thing that can happen happened when it comes to betting. 
the game went into overtime. And in overtime, the Heat just fell apart. The Heat never didn't have the lead. That's a double negative. They had like a 15-point lead late in the game. I was watching the entire game. Anyway, we're 21 and 17. We're taking the loss. We lost. It happens, okay? We got a big game tonight. Are you going to watch the Lakers play the Nets? The Anthony Davis-less Lakers against the big three. Are Durant, Harden, and Irving all available tonight for the Lakers? I'm going to, I'm going to bet no. I don't know whether or not they're all going to play. I'm going to predict because they're rarely, if ever, all available. I'm going to predict they're not. The Lakers are favored by two and a half over the Nets. Even if Durant, Harden, and Irving are all available, take the Lakers, give the two and a half. Here's why. LeBron loves these games. And the way I know it is LeBron actually said, I don't need to worry about motivation. I'm not focused on whether they're a better big three than I was a big three, than we were a big three in Miami or big three, big two with Kyrie. Kyrie's a former teammate. They won a championship in Cleveland. I don't think about any of that stuff. I am focused on getting the Lakers playing better and getting ready for the playoffs and defending our championship. No. If you think LeBron James is not focused on winning the game against the Nets tonight and against Kyrie Irving's team, then you are not understanding what gets LeBron James going. LeBron James only having to give two and a half to the Nets. It's outstanding. Take them. We're 21 and 17 going into tonight. Okay. Did I do a wait to see, Coca, that the Blue Jays would play in Buffalo or did I just say they were going to play in Buffalo? I think I just said it. I'll have to go back to the document because we keep track. And if it had been a wait to see, I'm not willing to take the loss yet. But an announcement was made today or yesterday. Well, it was made today in Australia. Or maybe tomorrow. It will be made tomorrow in Japan that the Toronto Blue Jays will play their first two homestands in Dunedin, Florida. Why? Let me explain. Dunedin, Florida is where the Toronto Blue Jays have spring training. It's a newly renovated stadium that holds 8,500 people. Florida is a state where the governor doesn't care about capacity. Fill it up. No problem. The Blue Jays have a great traveling fan base who can come watch the team in Dunedin. <laughs> nope. No, they can't. The border's closed. No one can get from Canada to the U.S. or from the U.S. to Canada unless you're essential. I'm essential. I'm a fan of the Blue Jays. Mark me as essential. The Blue Jays who signed Springer, who have eyes on competing for the American League East crown, they're not allowed in Canada. So MLB got together, and this is how it works. You get together with Mark Shapiro and the owner of the Rogers Center people. Rogers Communications people own the Blue Jays. And you talk about how do you want to proceed with your season? Do you want to do what you did last year and go to Buffalo for the whole season? Buffalo has a triple-A team. We got to figure out scheduling. There'd be games every day. The team would have to be on the road when you're at home. Doable. Maybe everyone will get vaccinated and the border's going to open before the end of the season. Here's what I would do if I were you, the commissioner's office said. Let's just play the beginning of the season in Dunedin. We'll look at your schedule. We'll do the first two home stands. That'll get you through the month of April. And then we'll play it by beer after that. Because either the border will be open or you go back to Canada. Maybe by then we'll have a deal with the Canadian government. No chance. And in April, 
the weather is still okay in Dunedin. Because if I'm running the Toronto Blue Jays, there is one thing for damn certain. I'm not playing Dunedin during summer. No chance. It's hot and wet. I mean, that could be good from time to time, but let me tell you when it's not good. When you have a team that has a chance to win. You do not want to play your games in Dunedin in an open-air small facility when you think that you can be a competitive team because, believe me, while the Marlins won a World Series in 03, while they won a World Series in 97 in an open-air stadium in a football stadium in Florida, playing here in the middle of summer is brutal on the players, and if the players are not used to it, their performance will suffer. When we would bring in players who had not played in Florida before, it was stifling the heat, getting used to the rain delays, figuring out how to get your body ready for a game when you can't get into a routine that is necessary for baseball players. There is no routine in Florida unless you have a roof. But the Blue Jays agreed because the weather in Buffalo is not that great in April. So stay in Dunedin in April. And my prediction is that if they can't go back to Canada, they will find a way to go to Buffalo again because spending a season in Dunedin does not work. So how do I handle that with my team? Well, I'm going down spring training starting and I'm gonna meet with them and I'm gonna to talk to them exactly about what we're doing. And I'm gonna say, I know we wanna be in Canada. I know there is so much uncertainty with what we're doing and I know the price that this is paying for your family, not knowing where they should be, worried about if you go to Canada, they can't join you. And if they do join you, they can't come back wondering where you're going to live if you go to Buffalo. What do you do with your kids in school? I get those issues, but here is my priority. We've got to get this team ready to play and ready to win because we're built for right now. So what I want you to do is trust us. We're going to work with the union. We're going to work with the player rep on the Blue Jays, whoever that is. We're going to work with Major League Baseball. We're going to work with the government of Canada. We're going to work with the people in Buffalo and with the Bisons. And we are going to find a way to get you consistency as best as possible. But in the meantime, embrace the unknown. Lean into it. Let's together show that we don't need to know where we're going to be in three months. We know where we need to be right now. And where we need to be right now is in spring training, getting ready to overtake the Rays, overtake the Red Sox, and compete with the Yankees. Go outside. Do your job. Come on, guys. This is just business. Go play. It's nothing personal. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.